Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I always appreciate you listening to Conversations with Cynthia and sharing the podcast with your friends. We really are wanting to change the world. We want to look, act, and be experienced differently than the world. We want people to want to be like us, not to revile us. Or So it's very important that we really continue in this learning and developing of our lives. And this is, this is a sacrifice unto God. And so th- this one is, are you generous? That's the challenge. Are you generous? And this is part two. We did um, part one yesterday and really distinguished yesterday between the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. And I gave you that analogy of a Christmas tree versus an apple tree. So a Christmas tree has all these beautiful ornaments on it, and they, they are spectacular and, and awe-inspiring. And these are, these are, th- this is like gifts, and that's what Christmas is about. There's gifts under the tree. There's gifts on the tree. But you can't eat it, right? So it isn't life-sustaining in that way. It's awe-inspiring. So the, the, the fruits of, the, of, of God, that God gives us those fruits, that's that love, patience, you know, kindness, generosity, all, all these different you know, things that we see that, that are something that actually goes in us and creates more life. Whereas the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit, those inspire. They're spontaneous. But the fruits of the Spirit sustain life. And we talked yesterday about how disturbing it is when we see someone that operates in the gifts of the Spirit, but their life is carnal and seemingly godless. And how confusing that is to the world and so when we talk about this, we really want, we were talking about the, the characteristics of generosity, 10 characteristics. And when we are living a life of generosity, it really reflects God's nature in a special, very special way. And this is the, this is the season where we practice some generosity. But this is where we want to make this a habit. We want to make this a virtue in our life a character issue. So the, the 10 characteristics of a God, of God-honoring generosity. One, we have motivation of genuine love. Because we can't, we can't really give without loving. Because if we give without loving, we're really giving to get something. The second characteristic is that it brings pleasure to God. God-honoring g- generosity pleases God. Because it reflects who he is, and it brings life to the body and to the world. Because we want to be known by our love. Well, love is a derivative, and generosity is a derivative of love. Love and generosity go hand in hand. 
It also strengthens the unity in the body of Christ. And it's this that Jesus' love toward us is an example that should inspire our interaction with each other, that we would be generous in spirit. Also characteristic of generosity is how we respond to enemies. Because love not only covers a multitude of sins, but it also conquers our enemies. And we see King Solomon wrote, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For when you do, you heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward you. It's like water on a fire. That's what generosity is. And, and you see this if you've ever, but even just a small or something, letting somebody in um, into the parking place instead of you and just giving it away. That generosity, just that one simple thing, thanking someone, thanking a stranger for opening the door for you, that has some reciprocity. People are immediately, their souls are immediately lightened And it is rejuvenating. It strengthens us. It turns our enemies toward us instead of against us. So it's a way also to lay up treasures in heaven. See, the things of this world can capture our affections. And it lures our affection away from God. And the temptation is to gather riches for ourselves. And the Apostle Paul exhorts us. He says, If you're risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. This is why we want to hold on loosely. We all have things that we treasure, but we want to make sure we hold on loosely to these things, that we're willing to give away to benefit the body of Christ, to benefit the world of unbelievers, to turn our enemies toward us, Generosity, God-honoring generosity, doing good, this glorifies God. As a child of God, the goal of doing good works is not to draw attention to ourselves, but rather to bring glory to God. When we are doing good works, and they are genuine in their generosity, the world wants to know who we are. Why do we do that? How can we do that? So Matthew chapter 5, 14 and 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, as we serve and and give and meet the needs of others, we do it in a way that reflects the nature of Christ and showcases God's greatness and his grace. It also brings such incredible endurance and resiliency to our lives. Generosity strengthens us, lightens us up. So number seven, this this God-honoring generosity, a characteristic is that when we're acting from the foundation of faith, it takes faith to give without expecting to be repaid. Faith that our gifts meet the needs of others, that they're pleasing to God, and that God will faithfully provide for our own needs in the future. It takes faith. Many times, we we all have times when we get into survival mode, and the more we're in survival mode, the more selfish we become, the more self-centered we become. 
So when we find ourselves kind of thinking in more of a survival mode, we have to say to ourselves, where is my faith? Where is my faith? God has promised to care for me. I can trust the one who died for me. And so the Apostle Paul addresses these points when he prays the church in Philippi for their generosity. And this is where he really talked about how amazed he was by their generosity to him. And this is where the end of, uh, this is Philippians 4, um, and the last verse, chapter, um, verse 20 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We can have faith. We can have faith that we will be taken care of. It also helps us to develop a healthy fear of the Lord. And when we say the fear of the Lord, we're not saying like scared or something. We're saying a, a true respect, awe, and, and reverence. Um, this is where we are, are very aware of our own humanity. So the more generous we are, the more we begin to see and understand how big and great God is. Because we see in the verse above that we just talked about, he's going to supply all that we need, all that we need when we trust him. And so the more we trust God, the more we put our faith in him, the more we really see who this great God really is. And we have a healthy respect and reverence for him. This, this idea of acting out in generosity also proves God. It's proving God. When we honor God by obeying his word and give generously, he delights to demonstrate his power by providing abundantly for our needs. In the book of Malachi, God did this. He invited the Israelites to prove him with their obedience in giving tithes and offerings. And he promises them that if you give, you will receive. And number 10, giving with a generous heart. That's a characteristic, that our hearts are generous and that out of it creates a heart that is generous when we are practicing these things. And out of that heart, we, are, we have a bountiful eye and we have, we have the ability to see where the needs are, and how we are being asked to meet them. And there are, the, the thing that I want you to think about, when we look at those characteristics, God never asks, asks us to do something that will not truly benefit us and, and give us a life more abundantly. So when he wants us to be generous people, He's telling us that generosity will always come back. Now, maybe not in the same exact way that we gave it, but it will usually come back better because God knows exactly what we need and he also knows what we want. And he loves, he's the greatest gift giver ever. So there are many studies that show that generosity is really truly in your own best interest. Practicing generosity is a mental health principle. And it really could very well be the key to a very happy and healthy life. When you practice generosity, you know how much better you feel about yourself. 
and how much better you able you are to handle people that aren't doing their life well. So more and more studies are highlighting the benefits of generosity on both our physical and our mental health. Not only does generosity reduce stress, supports one's physical health, but it enhances our sense of purpose, and it naturally fights depression, and it has also been shown to increase one's lifespan. So if a longer, less stressful, more meaningful life is not enough to inspire you to rev up your practice of generosity, then consider generosity because it also promotes a social connection and improves relationships. It, it improves entire neighborhoods, and they are doing some new things in some of the inner city um, some of the inner cities that are really racked with violence and drug addiction and child abuse and all types of ugly, painful things. And they are bringing in people, instead of bringing in more law enforcement, they are bringing in peacemakers. They are bringing in people that are very similar to the culture that begin to operate with lots of generosity, politeness, and kindness, and it becomes very contagious. And so it actually changes an entire culture. So the culture you have in your home can be radically changed when you begin to practice generosity. The culture at your work can be radically changed when you practice generosity. When we give to others, we don't only make them feel closer to us, but we also feel closer to them. This is how we decrease violence, because all of a sudden, the world is not full of strangers. They're full of people that God loves and God made. We may not know their name, but when we're generous to them, we feel closer to them. This is because being kind and generous encourages us to perceive others in a more positive light, and it fosters a sense of community and a feeling of interconnectedness. When I see you in a better light, you feel better about yourself. You will then treat me better and the next person you come into contact with. So it creates in our culture a sense of community. So being generous also really truly does make us feel better about ourselves. It's, an, it's both a natural confidence builder and a natural repellent of self-hatred. See, the enemy of our soul hates us, and he wants us to hate us. Because if I hate me, it's harder for me to reproduce outside of myself something that I don't, I don't have inside of myself. It's harder for me to love you and to be less critical of you and have more compassion and empathy if I don't have it inside. And we've talked so much on the show about your internal home. So when we practice generosity, we build confidence, and we it's a natural repellent from self-hatred. So what happens is we're focusing on giving rather than on what we're receiving, and we create more of an outward orientation toward the world, which shifts our focus away from ourselves. Now, that does not mean we don't care for ourselves. So while maintaining um, a healthy level of self-awareness and sensitivity to, to ourselves, that is certainly important. But too often we narrow it on ourselves with a negative lens, and we spend too much time listening, you know, to that critical inner voice in our heads, which scrutinizes every move and nags us all the time with negative thoughts 
towards ourselves and then toward others as well. We start to see the world darker. We start to see it. And you know what's going on right now in the tone and the culture of our world. It feels darker. It feels nastier. It feels um, less, there's less kindness. feels kind of scary. There's emotional violence. People can't trust anyone. And so this, the, those negative thoughts that we have truly lead to self-sabotage. So being generous distracts us from that critical inner voice and all those nasty thoughts. And even if we're not, not perfectly happy with ourselves, if we are generous, you will immediately feel better. And when we see someone else benefiting from our actions, it's hard for the inner voice to continue to criticize us and tell us that we're worthless. So let's talk about some steps to fully practicing generosity. So four steps that we're going to look at today. We're going to give something that is sensitive to the other person. See, generosity is most effective when the gift you offer is sensitive. When it's special. When it's truly taking them into account what they would need or what they would want. Not what I need or want you to need or what I want to give you or what's easier for me to give you and less um, sacrificial. So it's not always about material things. It's about giving of yourself. Sometimes just being present and available to a loved one who's having a hard time is the greatest gift you could possibly give. And we talked about that yesterday a little bit. That if you don't have money, time is an amazing commodity that we do not have very much of. And humans take time. So being sensitive to just being able to stop for a couple of minutes and just say, hi, I just wanted to check in with you, see how you're doing. Just, just being concerned, noticing someone. Another way to fully practice generosity, accept appreciation. It's important to be open to the people who express appreciation towards you. Generosity is a two-way street, and allowing someone to express their gratitude is an important aspect of generosity. Don't steal from them their attempts at being generous. And when you do, when you let them be generous with you, it makes you feel closer to them, and they feel closer to you. So researchers in the Department of Psychology at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, they, they have discovered that the emotion of gratitude uniquely functions to build a high-quality relationship between a grateful person and the target of his or her gratitude. That is, the person who performed a kind action. So it's really important to not brush off the thank you with comments like, oh, it was nothing, or no, you know, you don't have to thank me. Don't steal that from them. They wanted to give it to you. Be a gracious receiver. Be a generous receiver. Smile and say, oh, my gosh, thank you for telling me that. I really appreciate that. That's always nice to hear. I'm glad it helped, or I'm glad you liked it. So the third step that we're working on 
in fully practicing generosity is accepting the generosity of others. So we accept appreciation. Now we accept their generosity as well. So some people have a much easier time being given than receiving. However, it's important to let others do things for you as well. So I call this the generosity of acceptance. Being pseudo-independent or self-denying kind of robs your loved ones of the opportunity to feel the joy of giving and letting them rise to a higher level of, of being, letting them honor God by honoring the people he loves. So accepting the generosity of others may make you feel uncomfortable if you felt unlovable or unworthy in your early life or if you still feel that way. Generosity is often an act of love. And so it may seem counterintuitive, but many people respond negatively to being loved, and we know that. That doesn't mean you don't keep doing it. And for those of us, for those of you who struggle with people being kind to you, doing nice gestures for you, giving to you, part of receiving it is the way you undo that damage that was done. Just graciously receiving it, and if you could, the only way you can graciously receive it and accept their generosity is to simply say, I'm going to be really appreciative of it because that helps them, and I don't want to steal from them, even though I'm having a really hard time taking it in. But the more you do it, the better you get at it, and your confidence increases, your shame decreases, any self-criticism decreases, and you become more flexible. You also then become generous in a much more authentic manner. So the fourth one is show appreciation. So you show appreciation now. So we went from giving something that's sensitive to the person to accepting appreciation, accepting generosity. Now we're going to really say, and we're going to, the next step, we're going to show appreciation. So remember that gratitude is an important part of the equation. So you show your appreciation for the generosity that's directed towards you, even if you do feel shy or uncomfortable. So resist that temptation like we were saying earlier. To say things like, well, this is just too much, or you shouldn't have, or, you know, this is, I I really don't deserve this. Um, This put you out too much. Instead, you want to say, thank you. Or better yet, let the person know what the generosity meant to you. Generosity is truly the gift that keeps on giving. Every day, life presents us with hundreds of opportunities to be generous. So by making a lifestyle out of generosity, we can do ourselves and others a world of good. We are Christians. We want to be known by our love, by our love. When you're generous to somebody, it has lasting effects. It has a ripple effect. It truly does. It's life-sustaining. So you set them up to have a better day. They might have started, they might have walked out of their house that day, had a fight with their spouse, their partner, had a fight with kids. Maybe the pet tore up something. Whatever it was, when you're generous, that undoes some of that. You may not even know what you're undoing. So be generous. That's the, that's the challenge. Are you generous? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today, and I want you to be generous 
in spirit, generous in heart. You have much to give the world. Don't let the enemy talk you out of giving what you have and who you are. So have a great rest of your day. Join me again tomorrow. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and all the social media. We love it when you respond. So have a blessed day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.